You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Grind leads to glory. Jeremy Boyd keeps on grinding. Less than five years ago, he was shot in the side, impacting his spinal cord. Just months after that incident, Jeremy was introduced to the sport of wheelchair tennis. He is a member of the University of Alabama wheelchair tennis team, winning some titles and finishing number one in the men's B singles. He is now playing in the men's A division, entering his senior year in college, and he does have a goal of representing the United States at the Paralympics in the future. So, Jeremy, I, I understand the sports has been a critical part of your life from the beginning, uh, or at least from early on. So talk a little bit about um, growing up, how sports was woven into your life, and maybe some of the sports you played and, and uh, what they meant to you. Okay. Um, yeah, sports has been a relatively uh, consistent staple of my life. Um, I think the first sport I actually played in that was organized would have been baseball. And that was, let me think, I want to say eight until eighth grade, eight years old to eighth grade. I did not play in high school. That was a whole nother level above. That's when I learned, oh, there are people that actually play these sports, like, <laughs> and they want to play for a long time. Um, and that was kind of like my first taste of like uh, elite level competition uh, was when I tried out for, for uh, the high school baseball team. and was like, whoa, that's a whole different ball game. Um, and I'd been playing football at that point. I started playing football in like seventh grade as well. Um, so one sport wasn't ever really enough for me um, until I got to high school and football became a job. Um, I went to Hoover High School, um, which a, a lot of people that have been in, that involved in high school football in the past like 20 years or so. It's It used to be a decade. Now I'm thinking, oh, that was like almost 20 years ago. Um, Hoover High School has been on the map for high school football for a long time. Um, and that was really where I learned like my work ethic in, in sports and, and really how to push yourself beyond what you think you can do and really like dedicate um, time and energy to, to building your craft. Um, some people wouldn't say sports are craft, but I like to think so because it requires technique just like anything else. Technique, um, skill, ability, all of the above, right? <laughs> right. Uh, that, Football, I rode football out until about freshman year in college. Um, football and I decided to part ways. Um, I was going a different route in my life, was going more career-oriented, and uh, decided to stop playing. And so that's where my pre-injury sports ended. And then post-injury, um, after I'd say I started playing wheelchair tennis, um, 2017 midway through the year, maybe April, 2017. Um, and it's been no wheels burning, wheels turning the whole time since. Um, just, uh, it, it made me realize, um, that I could still compete at a high level, even, even though I had mobility issues. Um, and that, that really made me excited because it opened a whole new world of sports to me. So 
I don't, I think I kind of got off your question a little bit. But. Yeah, no, no. It's, it's in your, in your kind of trajectory is similar to mine. I, I, football was my primary sport and I played basketball and played baseball too, but realized at the high school level, nope, I'm not quite at the, at the, at the level and caliber that, that the other players were. So the only, the only one I kind of continued at least uh, you know, through high school is football. So, um, and you talked about your injury. For those that may not know uh, your story, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, what happened and and um, and and then maybe uh, how long uh, you said you said about midway 2017. How long was the period time period between your injury and your introduction to adaptive sports? OK, um, well, let's see. Uh, December 8th, 2016, I was shot um, in my side. Uh, the bullet clipped my L3 vertebrae, vertebrae um, and left me with an incomplete spinal cord injury. Um, so I, I have fairly um, complete control over my left, the left side of my body. I lose a little, I lose sensation and uh, function starting at the hip um, and then tapering down to the knee where after the knee I lose virtually all function and sensation uh, except for deep tissue. And that is uh, on my right leg only. That happened December 8, 2016. Um, I was in the hospital for about three three weeks. Um, I think I got out on January 4th, um, 2017. Um, moved up to Tuscaloosa from Birmingham to live with my, my brother and his wife. And I really didn't, I'm trying to think, um, Shelby Barron and Lauren Haneke Hops, two of my uh, former teammates, Lauren is still one of my teammates now, um, they just ran up to me at the rolled up to me at farmer's market and were like, Hey, you, do you play sports? And, um, really that was kind of like the day that my life changed. It took me a couple of weeks to really like warm up to the idea, you know, cause, uh, I first got in a wheelchair and it's, it's a whole new world. You're still nervous about meeting new people. And of course, going to join people in, in a realm that you've never even entered. Um, but I like to think as soon as I hit that hit the court uh, for that community clinic the first time, I was in love and uh, didn't I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, it really gave me a, gave me an outlet to really vent frustrations that I had because obviously you spend your whole life able body and then all of a sudden you you're not. It's a big change and I mean I've said this many times. I think tennis did a big big thing to help save my life. Um, I wouldn't like contemplating any like self-harm, anything like that, but just getting me on a healthy track early um, mm-hmm. and, and want, making me want to do more with my life than just sit around. So did, I, I understand they rolled up to you at a farmer's market. Is that, is mm-hmm. that what I, and, and so did they, and they didn't know you at all at the time. They just rolled up to you and said, Hey, you, <laughs> you should play yeah. sports basically. Right. That's pretty much how it went. Yeah. We know Shelby well. So that's, that's, that's awesome. I didn't know that Shelby was part of, part of your story and part of that story too. She's and, a part of a lot of people's story. Uh, yeah. I, I imagine she is. She's a wonderful athlete, wonderful um, uh, uh, ambassador for, for sports as well. So, and, and uh, was, was tennis that the first sport or did you, did they, did they obviously since tennis, since they play tennis uh, or did you play other sports or did, or as part of the clinic or, or how did that, how did tennis become part of the equation? I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> okay. So funny enough, um, when I was doing rehab, um, when I got to Tuscaloosa originally, they, because my, my rehab study is literally attached to the student recreation center, which is across from the Strand Harden arena in, uh, in Tuscaloosa. 
and that's our adapter facility. So basically they're like, Hey, you know, party rehab. I mean, you might want to do some sports. So they threw me in a, a basketball chair. I didn't play basketball, but I just got in the chair and within about three seconds, I was on the ground. Um, cause I didn't understand how physics worked, I guess. And, you know, I was like, I'm going fast. We're going fast. Let me turn. And then, you know, flipped. Uh, it was fun though. Um, but to answer your question, I did not play a single sport until I played tennis. Um, well, wheelchair sport. Uh, they invited me to the clinics. I stood over it for a couple of weeks, spreading on like, oh, I'm, do I really want to do that? And I, I might embarrass myself or whatever, but they got me on the court and, uh, I've, I've played some basketball since, but I am all the way tennis. I'd much rather play tennis than basketball any day of the week. And so, and so Jeremy, what is it about tennis then? Oh, um, I like the variability of it. I know, like, I hate it on the court, but I like the idea of the variability. Like, that you have to be so locked in because the margin of error is so small. Um, every ball is going to be different. Um, mm-hmm. every point's going to be different. Every match is going to be different. Um, I'm learning to roll with the punches, if you will, um, start like, cause I'm now I'm getting to the point where it's more strategy. My level of play is becoming more strategy opposed to just being flat out better than somebody. Um, granted you still run into mm-hmm. that regularly. I'm going to run into that when I get to the opens. Um, I'm in the men's a division right now, which is, uh, the highest letter division. So I'm, I'm getting to the point where we're starting the opponents are starting to see the court and I'm really like, it's almost, I, I liken it to chess. Um, whereas I was playing checkers before and, and some higher level players would be like, you're still playing checkers, buddy. But, um, I like to think that I'm, I've picked up the, the learning manual to start playing chess in my game. Gotcha. I think that's, that's what's really, um, starting to drive me now is, is, is out thinking my opponents and, 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 training my mind more than, or instead of just my body. Um, and that's, that's the next chapter of my, my career, if you will. Um, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And I, I love that analogy because checkers, there's a, there's a lot of strategy in checkers, but when it comes to chess, there's a whole nother level of, mm-hmm. of strategy. <laughs> I'll have to use that at some point. And, and, uh, so talk about, uh, you know, really you've only been playing for what a, few years now and mm-hmm. um and so what's that trajectory been like uh for you in terms of you know just picking up the sport in spring 17 to i know you've 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 done done well you've you've you've, you've won some titles and 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 so kind of walk walk us through that trajectory and and did you have that expectation from the beginning or was there a lot of frustration also at the beginning uh in just terms of picking up the sport i'll start right there the ex I I've always been a competitor. So there are like base level expectations for myself. Um about like I'm my worst critic. Uh so I think those expectations created the frustration. Um you know, it's it's like as soon as as soon as I started like feeling comfortable I'm like, oh okay, this is how you do this, this is how you do that. I'm like, sir, if you do it once right, you better you better do it the second time and the third time and the fourth time. And every time I didn't do that, I got frustrated with myself. Um, but I'm, I'm very fortunate that I've been an athlete my whole life. So I feel like that has greatly benefited me, um, to where my ceiling's pretty high. Uh, right now it's just technical mental aspects of the game, but, um, it's been 
very big jumps and then and then short short little steps big jumps short steps um and just like i mean because every division you know you fight and you get to the top of one division you're like okay i'm there i'm there and then you're right in the bottom of the next one <laughs> uh, and so yeah i think that every every time i went up a division or um i've changed the competition i see there's gonna be that entry level frustration but um I like to think that I have great coaching, great coaching, great support staff around me that as long as I'm willing to come and do the work and grind it out, um, the sky's the limit. Uh, and so we've won a couple championships since I've been here, uh, national championships. We'd actually just won one, uh, in Orlando, let's see, a couple of weeks ago, middle of April. Um, we just won the collegiate wheelchair national championships, uh, and my teammate Tom Sinis took home Alabama's first singles title. That has nothing to do with my game, but I like to think that my cheering helped with that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as trajectory, I mean, all I've done is win in my life. I'm not trying to sound conceited. I've just been fortunate to be put in a place where I've been able to succeed in most more times than not in anything I've taken uh, pursued seriously athletically. Um, so. I say all that to say I don't lose very well. Uh, I do everything I can to not lose. I'm starting to learn to play not with the idea of, of trying not to lose, um, but doing everything I can to win, uh, which are substantially different mental approaches to it. And I didn't realize that. And I'm, I'm, I'm still realizing it because, I mean, you get tight in the middle of a match, you get down, it's match point, and you, you're going to get tight. You're playing not to lose. With that approach and with with looking through that different those two different lenses that you just talked about and and not realizing the difference, how do you approach your training then, uh, and how does that affect or impact your training? Um. Oh, training. I've learned to be. You have to be patient um, with yourself, your teammates. Um, if you're not feeling that that well that day, you have to you have to find uh, like say my shoulders tight one day, and I wanted to work on short serves. Um, it's teaching me to trust and listen to my body, and then take advantage of what feels good that day and what doesn't feel good. Let it sit to the side um, and come back to another day. So that, and then having the confidence confidence from training that way with that kind of patience and with that approach of like some things are going to work in a match and some things aren't. So if that's what's happening right now, being able to be flexible and adjust to it and not get shaken or, or tight, because if I told you how many times I've lost a whole game in a match from double falling, and if you let that, like I've, I'm still getting to the point where I have to be able to, where I can let that go. But in my training, that's, that's, it's so key at practice where if when we we've done a lot more match play lately, but when you're playing or you're practicing, okay, you might hit three, four, five, six, seven, eight bad shots in a row. Having the patience and, and the drive to let that go and move on to the next point, the next ball, the next stroke, the next push, and, and kind of break things down to their, the, the smallest, like the atom of the tennis game, you know? Mm-hmm. You started a push, you started a swing, you started a preparation. You know, it's small little things. And if you get each of those things as good as you can get them that day, you can move into the next next moment, the next practice, the next day, knowing that you prepared the best you can and let the game come to you. 
And it, sometimes it won't, sometimes it will. But at the end of the day, you just do what you can. So really focusing on what I control versus um, being controlled by what's happening. Yeah, and and how do you approach, you know, like playing singles versus playing doubles? And do you have a, do you have a preference over the two? Hmm. I used to think that I like singles more because I didn't have to worry about anyone else. Um, but I think that doubles has been a lot more fun for me lately because it comes back to that checkers idea. Doubles is a lot less about what one person can do and way more about how two people work together as one unit. And over the past year or so, I've had really good doubles partners that we, I mean, not to say that previous double partners weren't good. I just wasn't, my doubles game hadn't gotten where it needs to be and it's still growing. But, um, definitely like doubles more right now. It's a right now thing. We'll see how it is <laughs> six months. We'll see. Like That's I said, right. whatever, whatever's working right now. Um, but I've just been very fortunate to have uh, doubles partners that I enjoy playing with, uh, that we have a good chemistry and to be able to, after every point, come back and be like, okay, that was a good point. How are we going to approach this one? Like, okay, they might have counted like this. They're trying to do this. And and just having the mental wherewithal to see what's happening and make adjustments or exploit what they're missing or, or, or their weak spots. Um, and it, it's a lot less lonely out there, let me tell you, because it's a big court. It's a big court, <laughs> you know. And uh, you got somebody out there on your team and really – there with you. That's the, uh, it's huge. It's huge. So the individuals, it's fun. It's great, but I get a lot more satisfaction from the doubles. Definitely. Yeah. But that pendulum can swing again, right? <laughs> Who knows? Well, and, but, but I think that team component, I mean, you grew up playing team sports, you know, particularly football and, and even, you know, with baseball and, and others. So, you know, that team element is, 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 is part of, part of your ethos. So I could see why doubles is, is, uh, is at least right now at the, at the, at the top of, of the two. Um, so talk about like maybe specifically what your daily training regiment might be like, like what are some of besides like, you know, hitting the court, um, you know, maybe, maybe talk about some of the things that you do on court. Is it just about serving and hitting balls over and over again? Is it about, uh, you know, obviously some court maneuvers and then off court, you know, maybe what are some of the things you do in the gym or cross training that, that helps you, uh, you know, get, get to the top of your game. I feel like this, this list or this, uh, could be an extensive answer because, um, they do not play at Alabama. They do. We don't play. We don't. Nope. Um, so let me just give you an average day. Um, let's say, uh, First workout of the week, typically work out three days a week, um, about an hour each time. We have an outstanding strength and conditioning coach who is like an Iron Man because he is not only a father, uh, fresh father. He, he had a kid last year, had a second one this year, and he's in there making sure we have great workouts. Um, he's, if we need anything nutrition-wise, he's going to make it happen. He constantly is trying to develop new equipment. So if that if that just gives you an lens an idea of how intense our strength conditioning coach is, he wears us out three times a week. Period. We got practice that same day. We're gonna practice five days a week. Um typically four team practices and one individual practice. Mm. Um so we put the put the hours in on court, but he does not oh, you have practice today and you're gonna work <laughs> out and you're gonna be sore. 
deal with it. Because guess what? In the match, you're going to be tired and you're going to be sore. Um, so we do a lot of uh, fatigue is a big, I mean, we don't aim to be exhausted or anything like that, but it's going to happen. And we train through it. Um, so we'll work out. Um, typically, we'll have about a two-hour practice. Uh, what we do varies. Our coaches are very good at um, having emphasis, different emphasis, em- emphasis. I don't know how to pluralize it. Something, something like, like that. Emphasize. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Um, anywho, they uh, they do a really good job of mixing up. Um, whether it's just drilling that day, some days we'll just it'll be grind day, and we'll be hitting tons of forehands, tons of backhands, tons of serves, um, and really just repetition. Because a lot of tennis is just reps, 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 reps. Because mm-hmm. you want to hit, you want to, you want every ball you hit to be the same one. You want you want to get in the same spot, the same strike zone, you know, every serve. You want to have that perfect toss. You want to be able to put it where you want to put it instead of um, allowing mistakes or like a slight bad toss or less like a half less push getting you in a bad position for a ball. So we, there are days where we practice making everything how you want it instead of reacting to things. Um, and then other days there'll be – more fun match oriented like game because you still have to get that that game feel mm-hmm. um and so some days we'll have match play where all we do is we get our good a real good warm-up get loose and then we'll run up and down the team and we'll all play each other and just compete and i think that's been a big thing this year is uh really demanding the best out of each other this year um we we beat each other up i'm telling we Sorry, I just beat you six zero six zero, but I mean, not me. I'm used to one getting beat six zero six zero, but that's neither here nor there. Um, we are at our best when we compete at the highest level, and it we don't. It's not personal, you know. Feelings feelings don't get hurt because we know it's all it's all for the better of the team and each other. Um, so, two hours typically ten hours a week, ten to nine hours a week uh, on court. Um, and yeah, it's it's either going to be drill oriented, lots of lots of volume, or game oriented. We might even throw some like uh, some fun like team baseline games or something like that in there that are not like standard scoring games. Um, but the common theme is you're going to do everything to the best of your ability. Um, and then on a side, uh, when it rains, when we get ran out of practice because Corona got rid of our indoor um, mm-hmm. like backup courts because we couldn't really share that with the the varsity tennis teams. Um, so we kind of just had to figure it out and our coaches have done a great job of, uh, capturing more film. And so we might have a film day, uh, where we get kind of go over what we've been doing in practice, um, what we may have been struggling with in individuals or whatever we filmed up, um, that week, we might just dissect it, um, or dissect old match film and see what we could have done better, see what we can do, um, what we're doing great, uh, see what still needs improvement. So there's been a constant um, retooling of our game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then especially we take that information, we take it individuals um, because you can't always get what everybody needs um, as, a, as a team. But we do try and take each person, like bits from everybody's game that needs working and just work it overall. But uh, individuals are where we really kind of dial in. It's like, okay, if you're if you want to hit this, backhand to this zone in this situation or whatever you know uh we will get super detailed and, and dialed into one or two specific 
goals that we have for the semester um, to really like get that where it needs to be. And then finally, it's the worst one. If it's raining and we're not watching film, we're going to be conditioning. Don't like it though. I hate it. I hate it. Um, You're like, don't rain, don't rain, don't rain. (laughs) Right. You just watching like, please dry up. Don't do it. Um, But it's going to happen. But uh, also in that same vein, we have been doing a lot more like in between drills, throwing in like a chair movement drill um, or like a chair skills. That's also another huge part um, that I don't know if gets, gets enough attention. Chair skills. Um, I have been beat by people who do not play tennis because they have way better chair skills than me. Mm. They can make you hit one more ball. Some people, it, it can be very frustrating. It can be very, very frustrating. But chair skills, in my opinion, there's a level, if you had the same amount of chair skills and the same amount of ragged skills, um, and somebody came in with substantially better chair skills, and you didn't have like amazing, amazing racket skills, they're going to beat you. So um, that's been something that through trial and error, we figured out better ways to, uh, to train that in practice and not just um, worry about the strokes or worry about the serves. You know, it's a, it's a complete game. You know, it, it takes, you got to get all of your, all of your little pieces in order because if your whole chessboard isn't working together, somebody's going to exploit that weakness. And then you're going to be like, wait, I have, but how, you know, how did I get checkmated in 10 moves? What, how did I lose that match? Six Oh, six Oh, you know? And so we, we do a whole lot just to make sure we got all that little, all little things. Right. So Ray so Lewis it's, said it's the little things like this. <laughs> so it's like hundred percent racket skills and a hundred percent, uh, chair skills, <laughs> not 50, 50, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and you, you talked about, you know, the, the grind life at Alabama. Why do you think, uh, not just in wheelchair tennis, but even in other adaptive sports that Alabama, uh, you know, does so well and succeeds and excels and, and kind of maybe a long kind of a two part to that question is, you know, I, uh, I remember getting, uh, you know, news and updates about the adaptive sports facility that, that recently opened up. And I understand it. It's, it's amazing. So I'd love for you to just talk about the, the, cult, the culture and the philosophy on campus uh, and how that's woven into uh, what you're able to do. Um, well, I'd like to, the, one of the big things I like to say is shout out to um, everybody that makes it happen here, because it's definitely like, we're very fortunate. That facility is one of a kind. There's not another one like it at any other college campus in the, in the country where there's no other, um, to the best of my knowledge, uh, a DAS program that has completely dedicated space for them. Uh, to, they don't, we don't have to share with anybody but ourselves. Um, and so that, that's huge. But also a big a phrase that is commonly heard around the DAS facility um, is that we want to get like, well, Brent Harden and, and Margaret Strand, uh, they, this is something they com- commonly say or constantly say is that they want their athletes or us to get the same experience that any other athlete would get on campus. And you know where, where legends are made. It's University of Alabama. <laughs> um, I mean, you see the football team, athletics is not a joke here. And um, 
they've done a really good job of holding the university accountable to that and holding them to a high standard and also doing the work regardless to make sure that we get what we need, whether it be funds, um, whether it be a new facility, because now we're getting a new tennis facility. It didn't just happen, but um, yeah, the culture here is definitely that if you put in the work, somebody's going to be there for you. And it's not just like, it's not given to you. You got to work. You got to grind for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that word. Grind is my, like one of my favorite words. You just got to keep on grinding, even when it's hard. And a good thing, a good like characteristic of grinding, like in reality, like using a grinder or grinding some of the way is it you're removing, you're losing things. You're, you're shaving it off. And I like to think that it's a refining process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's all we do is we're constantly refining our game and the culture contributes to that because we would not, we would be remiss to come in and do something halfway. So we do everything <laughs> to the fullest. And if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. Um, and that's, that's kind of like the mindset that we have early on, early and often. Um, what was the second part of that question? I'm sorry. I heard the first part and I think I got it. Second yeah, part. it was just it was just in terms of, of the facility and the in the yeah you, I think you addressed it a little bit in both and both but 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 my follow up question is just because you, you talked about uh, you know parity and do you feel like uh, do you feel like based on based on the commitment that University of Alabama has made and the facilities have been that have been developed that there is you know uh, parity or be, or or beginning to move towards parity uh, in sport. Um, it's, we're going in the right direction. Cause if you think 10 years ago, this wouldn't even been a conversation. Um, right. so it's, it's all, it's all about perspective. Uh, in my opinion, enough is never enough <laughs> at all. I mean, I, I halfway isn't good enough for me. Um, and, and I think, I thank the university or not just not, I attribute it less to the university. They're kind of like the, don't get mad at me. UA, if you hear this, but <laughs> it has less to do with the university and more to do with the people inside of our program that demand better that like they've motivated me to, to push for that for myself, to not accept less than, than the standard. Like I'll use this quick example. I went to the beach um, a couple of times this weekend and it was, they had a blue map, you know, the little accessible map that went a third of the way to the water. And it's like, you can go rent a beach wheelchair. No, I'm sorry. That's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And I made a phone call. and was like, that's not acceptable. And I'm going to stop that right there. But like that, I wouldn't have done that when I first got in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been like a, I stand up for myself type person, but like knowing that just because it takes a little more sometimes for you, doesn't count you out of the experience. Like, like you deserve that just as much as the next person. Um, and I think that that's been huge part of the, that's like come back to culture. Like that's the culture. Um, so like long story short, I, we have such long way to go because one college like this isn't enough. Right. Um, I want to see the Michigans and the Clemsons and the Georgias and the Arizonas all have facilities. I want everybody to be able to train at a high level constantly because I want kids that are coming up that like, not everybody's going to be like me where they're like, mid twenties and get hurt. You know, there's a lot of people that are right now, five, six, seven at birth, living with mobility disabilities or disabilities in general, 
that could play wheelchair sports. And they would love to grow up knowing that I can go somewhere. Like if I want to play a sport, I can go to a school for this. You know, I can get an education on the back of this, you know? And like that, like having that outlook opposed to being like, like you get here and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I can go play tennis recreationally over here. You know, it changes how people perceive their self value and, and how they perceive themselves, you know, and the, and the outcomes and futures that they give themselves. So, I mean, not only just, not only this little small thing with me, as far as like expecting more for myself, um, having other people that demand greater for people in wheelchairs or, or whatever, people with disabilities is pretty, if you're not normal, we got you. Um, and, and that culture has been a huge benefit for my life. Um, and I think we're, I mean, we have so many, like you said, Shelby Barron is such a great ambassador to the sport. If we keep producing people like her and, and ambassadors like that, and it's just like that parody will come, you know, if you, but you got to keep pushing. You can't just accept, you can't accept half measures. And I think that that's been the biggest thing I've noticed is people have stopped accepting half measures. So, and, and kind of along those lines, how are you just as an athlete and as an individual, you know, redefining disability, either, either for others or for yourself, uh, or, or in competition? Um, hmm. Hmm. Wow. That is a tough question. I think that I constantly try and surprise people. Um, but also I'm not trying to show that I'm not normal. You know, that's been the biggest thing for me is to not, not put on this guise or this, this, this belief that because my life is a little different, it's that, that it's worse, you know, mm-hmm. checking people when they say, Oh, you're such an inspiration. Why? Why? You can do this too. Um, you know, but also being patient with people, um, trying to be at least sometimes folks make it really hard, um, (laughs) (laughs) but not accepting the limitations that people put on me, um, not accepting, not, not limiting myself by those, not, 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 um, defining my life by things, whether like, if you don't want to have a ramp, guess what? I'm gonna find a way to get in this building and not like whether it be like access, um, how people treat me, um, what people think I can do. I constantly, like, I don't measure myself by that. I constantly stay in like, I would say develop my own brand, but blaze my own path, if you will. Um, and, and don't live by what people expect of someone in a wheelchair or someone with a disability. Um, and constantly, making sure that people around me are aware that like maybe check how you're talking about folks with disabilities, like maybe try and approach it with understanding. And I'm still like, just cause I, I live with a disability doesn't mean I have a clue because there's a lot more disabilities than spinal cord injuries. Right. And approaching, approaching the community like that opposed to just so narrow and tunnel visioned, you know, and trying to be more accepting because we don't have to get into it, but like, even as a black man, like 
I know what it's like outside of a wheelchair to be not accepted and to extend to approach life like that, you know, approach other people like that. Like, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how bad it is. Um, but redefine disability like that. Like we're more of a community. We're more connected than we give ourselves credit for credit to credit, credit for, mm-hmm. um, and, and utilizing that and taking advantage of that connection and, and meeting people where they're at. That, that is, I feel like how we redefine what disability is. And, and Jamie, before I leave uh, tennis, um, what I, I know you've, you've talked about the Paralympics and, and kind of what are, what are your uh, goals, plans, expectations? Um, as we obviously we're gearing up for Tokyo, we've got Paris a, a couple years after that now, less than four years after that now, right? So, uh, so talk about that a little bit. Paralympics. Yes, they are a goal. Tokyo, not going to happen. Um, and that's okay. Um, but that is definitely a goal for me in the future. I'd like I said earlier, I think that my ceiling is fairly high. Um, it's just how bad do I want it? How much do I want to work? Um, how many hours am I willing to put in on the side? Um, but I definitely think that by, by the next one, I'll be in the conversation. And if, if not by then you best believe by three, the third one, oh, I'm going to be there. Um, Team USA is going to have to beat me up to keep me off, off the court for them. So um, it's definitely in the books. I've got, I've got work to do, but I'm putting it in. So it's definitely, it's definitely in the books. Indeed, I know you are putting it in. And then my last question for you is obviously outside tennis. Um, how, where are things with school and what are your kind of plans outside, you know, with, with school and outside tennis? Um, I am actually, uh, entering in my senior year. Um, I am, uh, a major in African-American studies. I was a double major in the creative media and African-American studies, but creative media didn't serve me. Um, so I just decided to focus on what did. Um, and I have been entertaining the idea of getting my PhD and becoming a professor because I got to teach these kids. Um, but it's just really funny because my mother was a teacher and I swore, I swore I would never teach. I don't want to be around those kids. Uh, uh-uh, you're not getting me, but the more it's gone on, the more I realize that the role some of my professors have had in my development and my life and the way I see the world and see myself in the world. And I want to be able to do that for kids like me. I mean, I'm kind of an old, old man kid, but I'm still a kid by perspective for a lot of folks, but young people um, that are still, that are going to be building the world when I'm dead, you know, um, and helping them find their truth and and make their way in a world that's not, not kind. So um, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm really excited to hear that because I knew that the creative media was part of your conversation at one point and, and, uh, but you know, the future generation needs, you know, great teachers and, and, and passionate teachers who can speak to the subject and you can speak obviously about race and about disability. So you just, you'd bring a lot, to, I think, to that space. So I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. Are there, are there, uh, social media platforms or ways so that folks can kind of just connect with you or that are public that you like, that you, that you want to share with, with listeners? Um, they can follow me on Instagram, um, at joint chief of staff, like the presidential office or the, the, yeah. Um, 
confusing. I know. Just wait. I can't wait until somebody actually thinks I'm the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I might have to get like a very like official presidential logo like, slogan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that or they can just leave me up on Facebook. I won't be hard to find Jeremy Boyd. I don't know my little URL, but <laughs> right. I'm there too. So, um, and then, you know, if they want to follow what's going on at the University of Alabama, um, alabamaadaptersathletics.com. Um, yeah. And then we're also on Facebook at Alabama Adapt Athletics. So. That's awesome. Well, thanks for, thanks for being my guest, Jeremy. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you, Sean. Have a good one. <laughs>